They say courage is found in unlikely places. Well, J.R.R. Tolkien said that. I met a woman, however, whose courage took her to some unlikely places. Antoinette Barbie is a midwife and a mother in Northern Ireland. She describes herself as a quiet, ordinary person. But in the last three years, she's achieved some remarkable change in the world that will save lives. It began with a tragedy, with the death of her mother, when a common form of surgery called morcellation resulted in sarcoma cancer spreading through her abdomen. Perhaps fueled by grief and a sense of justice, Antoinette began a gruelling journey to make women aware of the risks of this procedure. to my ears it sounds very awkward listening to um, uh, UK journalists and so on saying Derry London Derry mm-hmm. that always sounds very like a big mouthful mm-hmm. um, I saw that someone recently said oh, I don't like any of that stuff I prefer to just call it legendary that's right yes I know I like that one too it's just- this is Derry or London Derry in County Derry Northern Ireland It's Northern Ireland's second city with a population of about 90,000 and growing. Perhaps it's not a big surprise to learn that the city has been the fastest growing urban centre in Northern Ireland over the past 30 years. And it's still growing. You can hear the sounds of construction all around here. And you don't have to travel far to see plenty of tourists enjoying some of the most beautiful scenery in Ireland. The Derry Stroke London Derry name is a reflection of the demographics here. It's a Catholic-majority area, just a few miles to the border with the Republic of Ireland. Londonderry is the legal name, however, gained when it received the royal charter from King James I back in the 17th century. After the civil rights movement of the 1970s, the conflict that people call the Troubles actually began in Derry, and the city was heavily militarised for the following three decades. But if it started here, you could also say that it finished here, as the area had much less violence than other parts of Northern Ireland well before the eventual signing of the Belfast or Good Friday Agreement back in 1998. Okay, so where are we now? We're in a place called Ebrington Square. And this is, um, it's in the waterside in Derry, and um, there's, it's, the, it's at the end of the Peace Bridge. A few years ago, they developed Peace Bridge leading from the city side over to the waterside. Um, during the Troubles, there used to be a lot of conflict between the, the, the two areas. The city side was mainly the, the Catholic area, and most, most of the, the Protestants tended to all live on the waterside. And a few years ago, they developed the, the Peace Bridge just to connect connect the two areas. So we're just at Ebrington Square now at the other side. There was um, loads of plans to develop shops and coffee shops and stuff over here. My guide today is Antoinette Barbie, too young to have experienced the troubles firsthand. Nevertheless, she's experienced a conflict of her own these past couple of years. Hello, um, my name's Antoinette Barbie. Um, I live in Northern Ireland and um, I'm a midwife here. And I just want to um, share with you just um, a wee story about um, my mum and the journey that she had um, with sarcoma. And um, 
just so what part was yeah maybe just, just talk us through uh, you were saying about the family being um, very close knit mm-hmm. very very close family um, and we, we saw mum every day um, and she looked after not only did she look after my kids when I worked but she also looked after my brother's two kids and if there was a day that um, we didn't see her she she would have been raging with us for not stopping by um, she was having withdrawal symptoms from the kids and she she would say she needed a refix <laughs> so she just she was just crazy about them so and, you, and she was around for the your first three children she she was the babysitter that's right she looked after the the first three children my first three Matthew Owen and Grace and looked after them right up until I went off on maternity leave just a few weeks before this photograph was taken um and then that's when we when we found out that mum's cancer had returned and that the, the doctor told us that it was probably only going to be a few weeks to a few months. At that stage, mum looked so well. I mean, we, we, could, we couldn't believe it. If you look at these family photographs, she, she really looked so well that it was so hard to, so hard to believe. But the doctors were right. She did. She only got six months from, from that photograph was taken. She developed a clot in her leg. And she never really, after that, it was just seemed to be one side effect after another. She never really got a chance with the chemo, to be honest. It was always just one setback after another. So she went downhill quite quickly. Mum had rang me up one evening to say that she'd started bleeding vaginally. And she just thought it was just her period back again. And I'd said, you know, being a midwife and being a nurse, I'd, you know, knew that that wasn't, wasn't normal. And I um, said to mum, that's definitely not your period, mum. You haven't had a period in years and that postmenopausal bleeding is the first sign of cancer. I knew I had to put that fear into mum because she hadn't been to the doctors in 10 years. So I know if I had, I needed to, to put fear on her to make her go. And thankfully she did go and she was referred very quickly to the hospital. That's when she came out to me, she, she, she said... Um, See you anyway, putting the fear of God in me, telling me it might be cancer. She said, it's only a fibroid. And we were so relieved, so relieved that it wasn't cancer because that's what we had thought initially. Because fibroids are common and sarcoma is rare, doctors are encouraging women to have um, a minimally invasive hysterectomies the, the doctors tend to tell you all the pros of having a minimally invasive surgery. They tend to tell you quicker recovery, no scar, you'll be out of hospital the next day, less risk of infection. So this all sounded wonderful to, to us. You know, if this is only a fibroid and this is going to benefit mum's recovery, well, it's easier just to have it removed minimally invasively. But what we didn't know at the time is that no one explained to us that because mum's fibroid was quite large, to get it out vaginally it would have to be cut up um, we didn't realize that at the time so um, mum had her vaginal hysterectomy in March and it was um, a few weeks later that we received the news that it wasn't only a fibroid that it was actually a sarcoma cancer at that time um, all we were told at that time was that Mum went for a few scans and tests. At that stage, all the scans and tests came back clear 
And we felt so relieved that mum had just been diagnosed with, it wasn't a fibroid, it was actually a sarcoma cancer she'd had all along. But we felt we'd just had a lucky escape. All the scans and the tests were now showing that there was no evidence of any cancer in her body and we felt so relieved. The doctors basically just said, you're so lucky, this is what we call a coincidental find. We go in to remove what we think is a fibroid, it ends up being a sarcoma, but you're so lucky because all your scans are clear. It was only then, a few months later, when mum went back for a follow-up appointment and had a re-scan just before her 59th birthday that the scan showed that mum now had multiple tumours all over, all over her abdomen. At that stage, I started asking questions. Why did this cancer come back so soon, so aggressively? I didn't believe that the original scans a few months later, a few months earlier, were correct. So I asked the doctor at that stage, can I see the scans? Because I don't believe that this cancer was ever away for it now to be so aggressive and for you to be telling me that she's only got a few months to live. Um, So the doctor showed me the scans from just after hysterectomy and all the scans were clear. Um, And the doctors then just said that sarcoma is rare and aggressive and um, it's just one of these things. At that stage, I just accepted that... um, that it was just one of those things. I had a lot going on. I was dealing with a newborn baby. But a few months later, I joined an online support group called Leo Mayo Sarcoma Direct Research Foundation. And as I was watching this group for a few weeks, I was noticing that there was a lot of women coming on to the group, introducing themselves, sharing their stories, women from all around the world. And the stories all seemed to be very similar. All women who were told it was only a fibroid, And then afterwards, it turned out to be a leomyosarcoma. So I did a bit of research, and then that's when I found out that actually there's no test preoperatively that can tell the difference, and that every time the doctor's telling a woman that that it's only a fibroid, they're basically just zooming and guessing and hoping that that's what it is, but they can't really be sure. Then there was some other people on the group. There was a a lady on the group. Her name was Amy Reid. Um, Amy is um, sadly has passed away now, but her and her husband Human um, started a big campaign in America in 2015 after Amy had had a procedure known as morcellation, um, which had spread her presumed fibroid, which ended up being a sarcoma, and it ended up spreading her cancer. So once I'd read Amy's story and had a, had a chat with her, I started then to reflect on mums and start to think, well, maybe... Maybe could this have happened to mum and to all these other women? Could their fibroids have maybe have been morselated? And that's why the cancer had become so aggressive and it spread so quickly. So I did start asking mum's doctors some questions. I think people thought it was a bit crazy when I started asking these questions. People in, that I had worked with were starting to say, are you sure you're, you've just had a baby? Is your mind okay? Are you sure... This is what you should be dealing with right now. You should be focusing on your mum, focusing on your baby. You're doing too much reading, you know. But the more I read, the more I started to think, I think this is what happened to mum. So I'd asked to see mum's records. Um, This was in the January time. I'd asked if I could see mum's records. And when I read mum's pathology report, I was so shocked and horrified. It had said that mum's womb and her tumour had been removed in fragmented pieces and that the tumour was so fragmented that it was difficult to determine the size or extent of the lesion. No one had ever told us this, 
when mum was first diagnosed. Being a midwife and my sister being a nurse, if we had have known this information at the time that mum was diagnosed, we would have known that the chances of this cancer coming back were very, very high. By now you'll probably be as struck as I was at how articulate and calm Antoinette is when explaining what happened to her mother. Part of this, no doubt, is her medical background as a midwife, but there's also a kind of calm weariness that comes from having uncovered something that's difficult to believe and having to try to communicate this to others who may not be inclined to believe what she's saying. There's passion there, but it's tempered as if she's well aware that what she's saying could be dismissed as just grief. But what she's saying is just too important to risk being misunderstood. My understanding of the work that you've been doing since then is it's fair to say that sometimes doctors get it wrong. Mm-hmm. But you see it's not just a matter of someone getting it wrong. It's actually, it's a, it's a bigger, mm-hmm. more preventable thing. Yeah. So it's not a case of you know the doctor or, or whatever the guidelines are mm-hmm. as such and everyone's doing their best and then boom, something slips through the net. Mm-hmm. But this is actually a, yeah. something that's avoidable. Mm-hmm. Is, is that fair? Yeah. Well, I, I think because sarcoma is rare and you think you're the only person that this has happened to, you accept it and you feel, well, if the doctor really thought this was a fibroid and it turned out to be a sarcoma, well, what are the chances of this happening? It's rare, as I thought. But it's only actually when I joined that the, the, the online support group and realised that it wasn't actually as rare as what it was portrayed to be. And that actually the risk of a fibroid being cancerous is much higher than what gynaecologists tell you. And that risk increases with age. So some of the studies that I've been reading, I found that um, for someone of mum's age, that the risk of a fibroid being a sarcoma cancer is actually one in a hundred. That, that's a, quite a high risk. And if we had have known that, it would have helped us make different choices. My local hospital had asked the Royal College of Gynaecologists to do an um, independent review into mum's care. And the Royal College did that, and they did come back making some recommendations of things that, that should change. But I'd also, also realised that really there was no proper informed consent out there for women. So then I thought, well, the Royal College Gynaecologists are the people who are responsible for providing these guidelines. So I went back to the Royal College, thanked them for doing the review into mum's care, but highlighted to them that I didn't think that mum's case was an isolated case and believed that this was happening to women all over the country and actually just went said, I don't know where I got the strength or the courage, but actually just said to the Royal College, you are the people who are responsible here for making these guidelines, safeguarding these women, and I don't think that currently you're, you're doing that. I did get a, 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 a positive response back from them. They did agree that I was right and that, that, that formed, informed consent wasn't as it should be and that there was room for improvement. And they did agree that they would look into this and that they would provide clear guidelines for practitioners. A few months later then they contacted me to say that the guidelines, they had, they had put them together and they'd asked if I would be happy to um, peer review them um, before they went public. Um, that's when I realised after peer reviewing the Royal College's guidelines that this issue was even bigger again than just my mum's. I realised then that this was a flaw within all gynaecologists, that the Royal College guidelines, okay, they were... 
they were they were they were bringing out informed consent, saying that women should be given options. But the one thing that their guidelines weren't wasn't saying is that women should be told preoperatively that no test can determine which fibro which presumed fibroids are actual fibroids and which is sarcoma. And I feel that this is the fundamental thing that needs to change. Before women can make a choice of how they want their tumour removed, I think they really need to know that this isn't only a fibroid. There is a chance, a chance that this could be a sarcoma. And all the, the research out there is saying that the chances of this happening is basically about 1 in 300, but it can be as low as 1 in 100 in women of my mum's age. And I just feel that women need to be told this from the onset, is that you probably do, this tumour that you have within your womb probably is a fibroid, but there is a small chance or a chance that this could be a sarcoma. And just give women options of how you want it to be to be removed. Antoinette's clarity here is a result of months of research, listening to experts and patients, talking to people online and in person, travelling, approaching organisations such as Sarcoma UK, corresponding with the Royal College of Gynaecologists in London, gathering evidence and getting all of her ducks in a row. All of this while coping with the grief of having lost her mother. She makes it all sound straightforward, but this type of work takes its toll. It's taken up a lot of my time. I haven't returned to work. I took a career break to, to focus on this because I was so consumed by it all. I just, I feel that when when you think about the stages of grief, I suppose the last one is acceptance. And for me to accept everything that happened to mum, I think I had to see that things were going to change for others before I could accept what had happened to mum. And that's why every time I got a knockback, I had to just get myself back up and just say, you have to do this for other women. You can't can't just sit back and allow this to to keep happening. And... um, now that the Royal College, um, once they brought out the, their um, the first guidelines um, and they didn't include that information about the difference between a fibroid and a sarcoma and I went back to them, they did um, agree to put together a task force to look into this and um, I've, I'm just waiting now to see what the next set of guidelines and I'm really just hoping that they're going to be, that these new set of um, informed consent guidelines are going to give women informed consent because this whole process has been so hard, it's been so difficult, it's been exhausting. It's taken over the last three years of my life and I really would just like to get some sense of closure. And if I know that other women are going to be given informed consent and given proper information that's not biased and that's going to give realistic statistics, not ones that are cherry-picked, um, I feel then that I can get a sense of closure on this and I can that something good has if you can say that, but if there's something has come from this to help others, it'll help me accept what happened to mum. You're, would it be fair to say that before this you weren't? Um, were, were, I'm, you, I'm a quiet person, very reserved, yeah. So, um, to be honest, I'm actually amazed at, at how I've got the strength to, to keep going um, because normally I'm not a, I'm, I'm, quite a quiet and reserved person, don't like public speaking, don't like confrontation, do anything to avoid it. But I think when you realise that something is so wrong, I think you just have to make... I've, it's been difficult, but I've had to make that stand. 
And each wee stage, it was getting closer. And I thought, I can't stop here. I've got to just see this through. You know, and you do, when the time comes, you do get the strength to, to keep going. And I did promise mum before she died that although it was too, too late to help her, I did promise that I would do everything that I can to help others. And I think that's what's helping, helping me keep going with this. So, would it be fair to say you, you were an accidental activist? <laughs> In the sense you see, of... I know, it's, it's so funny when, when, when you refer to me as being an activist, I kind of almost cringe, because that's not me. When I think of an activist, you're thinking of people for women's rights and things like that, you know, the women burning the bras, and that's so not me. But I think it's just when I've, the more I've learnt about this whole situation and I've learnt a bit more salation and I've learnt about fibroids I think I just felt convicted that now that I know this information I have to share it I can't just sit back and accept and it's not only our lives that's been devastated this has happened to lots of other women and it's going to continue to happen to other women unless someone like me someone who's normally very reserved and quiet makes this stand so and I think it's just because I have a bit of medical knowledge behind me that I feel if it could happen to me, it can happen to if it could happen to my family, it can happen to anybody, and maybe they might make the same connection that I was able to make. And I think it's just to know that I can help someone else is what's helped me in this journey. I don't necessarily want. I think when I first approached the Royal College of Gynecologists, I think they thought maybe I. I'm all against morselation and that I want morselation to stop. I'm not, but what I'm all about is just giving women informed consent, giving women options, and not just routinely doing the least invasive because you think it's in the patient's best, the doctor thinks it's in the patient's best interest. It's just about being open and honest, giving the women the information and letting them choose what's in their best interest rather than assuming that you know what's in their best interest. There's the old walls of Derry, and on it there's a sign in the LGBTQ rainbow style for Lyra. This is Lyra McKee, who was shot uh, last week, tragically. Uh, there's also the hashtag Sing for Peace. There's going to be an event tonight um, honouring her. It's sad to think that after so many decades of peace that another life is taken unnecessarily. But here's the hope. The community here are taking this tragedy and they're making something positive from it. Courage is indeed found in unlikely places. My name is Enda Guinan and I work for Sarcoma UK. Our mission is simple. We want to ensure that everyone affected by sarcoma cancer receives the best treatment, care, information and support available and to create the treatments of the future. There's a support line if you'd like to talk to someone about anything related to sarcoma and you can find out more about us at sarcoma.org.uk. 
Just as we went to upload this episode, we found out that the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists have not only taken on board all of the comments and concerns that Antoinette had, but they've gone even further than expected. We had to give her a call. I really am delighted to hear that the Royal College of Gynecologists have introduced um, guidelines around morselation and that women with presumed fibroids who are considering surgery will now receive informed consent. Although it's too late for my mum, who is very sorely missed, I do believe that these guidelines will help other women with uterine sarcomas receive earlier diagnosis, um, that they will have proper surgical removal and that this will lead to improved prognosis. This is all I've wanted and I really am delighted.